All right, today we're talking about Crowbar and their album Odd Fellows Rest from 1998. Uh, before we get going, let's do some quick intros. We got a, a new cl- Fuzz Club member on the on the pod tonight. So, Blake, you want to kick us off? Yeah, Blake from Iowas. Ben. Uh, ben, a.k.a. Ben Riz, Lost Dutchman, and Southern Gate. Thanks for being here. Uh, and it's good to have you on. And I'm Ryan from High Desert Queen and Lick of My Spoon Productions. Cool, cool. So, all right, Crowbar. Um, I was just like, I remember hearing this album a while back. I, you know, I know Kirk's work a little bit and some of the sludge and all that kind of stuff, but I, I started to listen to it again. It's been a long time. And I was immediately, I was like, this sounds like an album from the 90s. I wonder when this came out. And for, I don't know what it is about the album. It sounds like the 90s to me and it's weird because it's not like 90s rock or 90s alternative it just sounds it's got like a tone to it that's like a little 90s to me it's so, the killer uh, production that's what it, it is. came out in 98 so i was i was right it's their fifth album um but in context of what everything else was going on in 1998 i thought was really interesting because 1998 was when like corn put out follow the leader their big album, Godsmack, Rob Zombie, System of a Down, all this like new wave, uh, uh, new metal stuff, rather, was coming out in 1998. But also like Slayer put out, um, what's the album? Uh, Diabolus Musica. Diabolus Musica. Yeah. yeah. Metallic yeah. put out like Garage Days. I mean, it was like a weird time for like heavy metal. It was like this new metal thing happening. Uh, Soulfly, Meshuga, Sepultura, all kind of coming out with stuff. So like it was kind of weird to put it in context for me because like in 1998 I don't know that I was really even listening to stuff like this at all. I mean it was probably or maybe around this time starting to get into like uh, probably corn and stuff like that I guess. But uh, so trying to listen to this and and put it into context of the time period was interesting because it sounds I wouldn't say dated or anything like that, but it, it sounds like 1998, knowing what else was going on. I'm curious what kind of like the reaction was at the time of people like when all this other stuff, pretty commercial type of stuff is coming out, like what an album like this felt like to a lot of people that were in it. I mean, I'm sure it was different for the New Orleans scene, but uh, I don't know. What were you, what, what did you guys think about this and, and at the context of the time period? Well, I know that I was a snot music 17 to 16 year old music snob around the time this record came out and so much has changed since then totally not 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 music snob at all (laughs) not at all anymore but at that time really close minded of like what i listened to and then it was like if it's tool i'm listening to it that's kind of where i was at at that time i remember even like not appreciating corn and some of the band like slayers of the bands you mentioned when they came out didn't appreciate it. I mean, I was just a, an idiot kid. Mm-hmm. But like, um, I remember listening to some Crowbar uh, back back in the day. And I remember, it's amazing to think that I listened to it was like, not for me, because I, I love Crowbar now, you know, and I, I think that I, it's, it's interesting, you just said that long list of bands, I think, and that time we were a bit inundated with a lot of heavy music that was coming out at that time. And, yeah. you know, I miss, I missed the boat on a lot of really good bands in that, in that in era. Heck I missed the boat on some really incredible grunge bands that are some of my biggest influences now, just because there was so much of it coming out at the time. I mean, rock and metal was, was King in that time. And, and the late nineties, when this came out, it, it's unfortunately started to wane, I guess a little bit, you know, early two thousands 
you guys seen that Woodstock documentary, it kind of talks about why, Yeah. but you know, like it's, it's kind of waning, but at that time, but it's funny that crowbar came out then. Cause it's not new metal. It's not heavy metal. I mean, it's, it's sludge. Yeah. I mean, that, it, it that doesn't have sludge. that. Um, it doesn't have like, you know, MTV type of like TRL level stuff like corn did, but it was, you know, I think Beavis and Butthead did a, a music video yeah. of theirs. I mean, they had the oh, connection had to like, they had a connection yeah. to Pantera, you know, they had a connection to Phil and, and New Orleans and stuff. So like they were like right below that, like ultra mainstream. I mean, they, they were, I wouldn't consider them mainstream, but they were connected to it somehow, you know, and they had a, a toe in the water I left a little bit. Having a connection to Phil Anselmo and Pantera, uh, will do a lot for you. I sure. mean, they definitely had some notoriety. I mean, they've been around for what, since like 1990 now they're still going strong. So eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they've been around for a long time. Right. So, I mean, they, they're doing something right. And it didn't help to have some backing on some of those other bands too. I mean, yeah, it's the NOLA scene, man. They're all, it's like one big NOLA sludge family. It's pretty cool. So Ben Riz, you said that you were living in uh, New Orleans around this time, or well, yeah, I, I had the joy and pleasure of of being a youngster around Nola, uh, you know, in and around like mid to late nineties. Um, so those were like our local heroes, you know. Uh, of course, That's like absolutely. very unobtainium. You still couldn't just like walk up to them and talk to them because you know they're gods among men, and still I kind of carry a little bit of that opinion, even even if like you know we're all mortals, you know. I mean, I, I still fanboy out whenever Kirk's in the room, and I, I've, I've talked to his wife more than I've talked to him. <laughs> but, he seems uh, like a cool dude. I, I've seen him on a couple podcasts. He seems like a really chill dude. Super and, dude, man. man. What a he guy. is the super nicest uh, of, yeah. of like, people you would swear shouldn't be. But, like, I mean, it, it's a sour face he wears, but, like, everything that comes out the man's mouth is honey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I when I met him, he was one of the nicest, you know, especially for for his level of of musician in terms of just fame and notoriety and respect. You know, he he just acts like a, you know, run of the mill guy who happens to play guitar. To be an iconic guitarist, too. Yeah. To be a to be a genre defining, you know, guitarist, to be someone who, you know, in certain ways they're they're kind of carrying a torch at this time that no one else because you've got the whole new metal thing going on like like you were saying ryan and um you know besides that there, there's kind of this this gap for a few years there and that kind of post nirvana era and crowbar is one of those bands that really keeps metal going yeah and going back to kurt i have a funny story uh i met him at Psycho Las Vegas, and I didn't know. I mean, this is how this is sad. Okay, I didn't know who I was hanging out with. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed now because it would be like a year or so later that I'm, I'm booking him at Ripple Fest. But like, I didn't know. I just. What's so cool about Psycho and a lot of these, some of these festivals, like that one, unfortunately, is possibly no more. But some of these festivals is that you know, everyone's there and the bands are hanging out, and you, and sometimes you know, and sometimes you don't. And I get introduced to somebody from exhorter who was there and so i and so i knew i was hanging out with at least some of the guys from exhorter but i had man everybody there was you know like like us long the beards you know everyone's normal like but they all looked the same i didn't know who they were and i ended up taking like shots and drinks with kurt and i didn't know it was him until i saw him on stage the next day (laughs) i was like and i'm like oh my god i'm it's probably why i mean at the time, I was like, you know what? That's probably why he was so cool because I wasn't fanboying on him. Yeah. But 
I've met him again, and he's just as cool even when I did totally fanboy on him another time. So he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's totally normal. I, I, he's such a good guy. He just wants to pound some Coors Light and play guitar. That's pretty much what he wants to do. Yeah. Amen. So this was <laughs> presented to me as like sludge, and and maybe maybe '90s sludge is a little different than what I think of sludge today. But I mean, I think of like I Hate God. I guess is sludgy. But there's even bands like that are stoner metal now that I consider in my brain sludge because they're just so slow and got this like super fuzzy, heavy tone. In in my brain, I go like this is sludge. This is considered sludge, I guess. But to me, like, I don't know. That was that was tough. Maybe listening to it now, like, you know, retroactively in, in this 2023, you know, maybe I'm listening to it wrong. But I was like, man, this isn't as sludgy as I was expecting. It's very, like, I don't know, uh, metal and, and just other things. But I don't know. I mean, Ben, you, you know, you, you were in New Orleans at this time. What was what was sludge? Was this sludgy as hell when it came out or like, what was the reception well, to some of this kind of stuff? When this album dropped, it was on the backbone of, um, Audie Petrie passing away. Um, who was bass player for acid bath. So like half of Kirk's band walked out prior to Oddfellows recording and Sammy du- duet was without a band for like ever, you know? So it was like the two of them went linked up like like peanut butter and chocolate, and they both had riffs that they had been like kind of cobbling aside. Because you got to remember, there was like about a good three year break between the previous Crowbar album to Oddfellows. So in that time, Kurt was you know trying to get himself clean, trying to get himself like you know uh, cobbling together enough songs to make an album. And Sammy had a lot that should have been in part of the the newest Acid Bath album that never came out. So that's why we got the album that we did everybody saw it too you know it's it was a good thing like you know two big forces joining joining together and, and making like a super group almost um i still to this day think Oddfellows and equilibrium are probably two of the, their best efforts and they both happen to have sammy on them. so everybody yeah. was really stoked that that you know those two parties joined up i kind of wish they'd still like do music together but i mean hey good horse is as mighty as it's ever going to be you know yeah, there's there's something interesting about I, I think that scene in general, not not just in terms of how you know they're they're on each other's albums and things like that, um, but I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying, uh, Ryan, about like this doesn't sound like necessarily what we think of as as sludge now, and I think that's because we we kind of conflate a sludgy sound versus the genre of sludge a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, we we all know guys in, in sludge bands. I mean, I, I would describe like a band like Thraw is arguably sludge, but they sound nothing like Crowbar, you know. Um, but this is that very specific New Orleans sound that, you know, the how I've always described it to people. And I learned this from Ben um, was the way that you can tell it's a New Orleans sludge band is if you listen to the beat um yeah, and it's my not just talks about that all the time yeah it's behind the beat and the guitar is is on the the normal beat you know <laughs> yeah um and metal so bands it, are on the one always right and i don't think nola sludge is man I, and i and i i didn't appreciate that until i think my drummer phil was like dude you ever listen to crowbar I'm like, yeah, i like him and he's, he started talking about stuff like that and i started listening yeah. 
And I started going, wow, this is totally a, its own thing. Which is, you know, imagine which learning how to play behind the beat and learning how to play it regularly. Yeah. That, that yeah. was what happened to me when I moved out, out here from, from down south. I thought that's how you played. Yeah. Hmm. And, and stoner rock, that's like the mantra, stay behind. You know, that's like the, that's kind of the thing. So it's interesting that, and to go back to what I think Blake and Ryan were saying there about the, it's not your traditional, what you think of as sludge now. I mean, this was, this is kind of like the roots of sludge, you know, this is, right. they, they, they were, there was no basis of, of them to kind of go off of. They had a handful of bands and all their friends and they just, this was just, this is what sounded heavy to them. And it just kind of became, you know, it, became a genre really and then and the nolist ledge really in itself is a genre and you think of how many bands that have kind of come out of that area for sure a lot of them are with a lot of the same members but right that, yeah there, there's a lot of crossover if you think about i hate god and, and yeah crowbar down yeah and see and first time i saw kurt he was playing with i hate god even though it's not his band he was just playing with i hate god at psycho las vegas you know it just it's just one of those things like hey we need a guitarist or someone hey, come on this is how they do it yeah but yeah but i don't think i realized how good this record was i've i've heard this record before but you know when i got the email because i'm behind the curve when ryan was like hey man we're gonna do this podcast on crowbar oddfellas oh sweet uh and i dove in and wow it's it's i love it it's so good so good so let's talk uh, about the music a little bit <clears throat> so you know for me he's got this uh this very distinct voice i mean he's got this kind of scream that yell that's only his and it it's almost very got hard to do like it's almost, yeah. I, I i like i i've tried every which way to try and figure out what the fuck he's doing i i kept thinking yeah. about it all day today and i think i figured it out it sounds oh, yeah. like he's taking a shit, yelling to his wife, like, I'll be out in a second, you know, like yeah. it's, it's straining. It's, it's the strain in his voice. It's not like a traditional like scream or yell. It's like he's straining to get it out somehow. And he does that throughout. And I don't know how many tracks are on this album. There's quite a few, a 15 or something. And, and like it, it got almost a little monotonous to a certain point until I hit the song Odd Fellows Rest, which is like the acoustic song. And, then- and I was like, singer, oh right? man, that was that was a nice, uh, nice little break there. They should have put that a little bit like more towards the middle or something. But that uh, that use of a phase ninety, <laughs> yeah, uh, great use of a phase ninety pedal. Oh, what about yeah, that one two combo of the intro track and and planets collide? I mean, that's, that's exactly it. Off. Huge man. Yeah, what a way to start an album, right? Yeah, man, that is the most. I mean. When you hear a guitar, you know it's Kurt. I mean, it's just, it is his tone, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that he bends notes. Yeah, and the and the chunkiness, but also the clarity of when he, because he picks a lot. There's a mm-hmm. lot of picking in his in his guitar work. Uh, I've definitely noticed it a lot. Uh, you know, I've seen them live several times now, and we had a chance to play a festival with them over in Berlin, and, and watching them live is mind-bending i booked him here at ripple fest and uh last year and it's just it's a different sound when when they play uh for sure yeah there's because it's it's i mean yeah it's loud but it's a it's like it's different it's not it's visceral yeah that's a good word for it it's just really punishing in the best possible way 
and it and it's so diverse in terms of its emotion you know if we if we just take like the first two tracks of intro and planets collide like i i remember very distinctly hearing those for the first time because i didn't get into crowbar until a few years ago really like i'd heard them but i didn't really get it to be completely honest i was i was listening to other things and uh ben and i were on a cross-country road trip and he was like i think you have a a, a problem and that problem is called you don't like crowbar enough <laughs> uh and it's you, you're you're in a time of your life when you need some crowbar and uh you know it's it's very emotional music it's very it's got a lot of depth and intensity but you can also just you know rip out uh you know bench press while while listening to crowbar you know, it's it's good for whiskey drinking and it's good for doing squats. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, I think the very work on between like this sludge is that it it has emotion in it to me. Like when yes. I listen to like some other sludge and stuff, I it's a little bit emotionless. It's just like this heavy, like pounding, heavy thing. Where this, you could feel like different. There's beautiful parts and there's pain and there's anger. There's all these different emotions going on, you know, throughout of it. And like, it's, it's kind of amazing how they're able to do it because like I said, like Kirk's, you know, vocals kind of remain pretty constant throughout, but they're able to kind of weave in this like emotional thing through each, each track. It's, it's the music, you know, like it's heavy, but it plans collides a great example. There's that pretty picking in there that's heavy, but it's melodic, you know, and the chords that he chooses to play, it's, it's it's dark it's it's it definitely is full of emotion his lyrics are too you know yeah and uh you know his lyrics are 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 heavy um you know just lyrically obviously vocally but i mean lyrically too he he's got some really cool cool lines and it going back to the way he sings i mean if you've met him that's exactly how he talks too it's like he's just he's just talking yeah he's he's just (laughs) He just except that he's got a very thick New Orleans accent when he talks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, do, yeah. We, get some, we get some ice for the the cooler. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like that's also how he sings. You know. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's it's I don't know where it comes from. I mean, it's from his because he's not straining on stage. He's just like that's just normal for him. Right. Yeah. That that is kind of the thing that like I've seen you know videos of them playing and stuff. I haven't seen him live, but it doesn't look quite like it sounds i mean you'd think that he he'd be popping a vein out of his forehead and shit and like you know he's this is just how he sings and my throat would be gone after a song and he's doing like you know i mean it's got to be like shows in a row it's got to be like a chest voice is is because i mean it's it sounds very throaty but that's impossible to do with your throat and and he would be losing his voice yeah he'd be be losing his voice into his throat so it's got to be his chest voice yeah and it's not a head voice either so it's yeah, that's the only thing I can come up with in terms of what exactly it is. I, I think it's straight up throat, to be honest. I mean, I think the many years, years of, I've, of, I've, of, I've of run into that. You know, he's always like talking like this, you know, yeah, got exactly. a really voice. It was yeah, he, he, he might have a shit ton of scar tissue built up in that throat now or just like no big deal. You know, yeah. 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 I mean, it. It always reminded me of talking to like a little old New York dude. Uh, I mean, he kind of has like the same vocal timbre, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got the energy too. He's like a, he's like a, he's got a, he's got a, he's a little guy with a lot of energy. He's, 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 he's fun to talk, like hanging out with. He was like, he could be a wild man. He's, he's crazy, but in a, in a fun, fun way. In the fun, I mean, what you expect to hang out with a bunch of NOLA dudes, it's going to get a little, it's going to get a little intense and, and it's going to be fun. Yeah. You know, so. 
Yeah, he's, he's, it's cool. I, this, I read that he was in a New Orleans hardcore punk band before hmm. uh, Crowbar. Slow, almost all these guys really were. I didn't Almost know that all these guys had any were. sort of like hardcore punk scene, I guess. It seems so much different than like Sludge to me. It was vastly different than what it what Crowbar became, you know. But I heard that that's how he met Jimmy Bauer originally and how they became friends and stuff. But I was like, really? Hardcore punk? That's, that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, if you think about... Because when I think of New Orleans Sludge, I think of Crowbar, I think of I Hate God, and I think of Acid Bath as kind of the big three. Um and more so in i hate god and acid bath you have a lot of elements of hardcore punk and then there's also like corrosion that started off as a hardcore punk band and then becomes kind of like a sludge band then becomes kind of like a stoner southern rock type of combination Mm -hmm. um but all these guys essentially just were playing in hardcore punk bands and then and that's why you can tell it because of a lot of their equipment that they use like um right that's true that's that's a good point yeah like they're not general i mean i think kirk does but like jimmy bauer i'm pretty i'm like 99 sure ben you'd know better than i would but i'm pretty sure he uses like solid state amps and things like that like the randall yeah. solid state it's where the, you the know, randall's where they get using, that chunkiness that's how they get that yeah, jing, jing, jing. yeah. so yeah they're what, using what, cheap equipment um, the sole reason why Randalls are in just about every NOLA sludge recording is, is that uh, the music stores that were local in New Orleans at the time didn't have anything but Randall or PVs. You couldn't get Marshalls. You couldn't, you couldn't get anything other than Randall or PV. Fun fact. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That, and that's what the stores, what you could get developed a sound. How about that? It's pretty cool. Pretty much. And like their crowbar is the only band I know that will still tour and like, request or bring like when they were doing herbalist they requested you know like they needed randall or crate like amps i'm like i was like oh wow i don't know where i'm gonna get those i can get orange and marshall mesa everywhere i gotta find a way to get some solid state randall or crate amps which is which was different you know was yeah. pretty cool I want to say Kirk was over with Orange for probably about a year and a half, two years, while Kingdom of Sorrow was like, like still like touring actively. He went back to Randall right after that, though, and I can't say I don't blame him. I mean, I I own both of those amps myself, and I prefer the Randall over the Orange. They are they are heavy, that's for sure. What, yeah. what, 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 what he was, I don't know what he was playing with in Down, but I mean, it sounds same like Kirk. It's, it's the same shit, right? It sounds like Kirk. Mm-hmm. Sam Randall, Sam Metal Zone, Sam everything. This is a this is a side note, but have y'all heard I am? <sighs> yeah, yeah. E Y E. Oh my gosh, that is. There's only one track right now, but holy crap, it's pretty damn good. Uh, but you can hear the... you can hear when Kurt's playing, right? Like yep. you know when it's his guitar part, you know exactly which one's his. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, because I mean and. Ben, isn't isn't his his tone essentially just like a metal zone with the gain off and everything else dimed, and and then just amp dirt? He, he plays with like a healthy amount of mids, but like not like super heroic like I use, uh, where mine are perpetually dimed. Um, he keeps his up uh, about noon, and then anything else that he needs, he gets out of that that metal zone. I blew me away when I I, I figured it out. I'm like, it can't be this easy, and he confirmed it on a rig rundown. <laughs> uh, that's awesome 
Yeah. It's, it's an easy way to tour. Anything goes out. You can find a metal zone anywhere. You know? Yeah. Pick up rock, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so what else about this album? Um, about the music in particular? Any uh, high points or low points for anybody that uh, stands out to them? We, we talked about how it starts. It's yep. pretty punishing. Uh, Carry the Load is my favorite track on the record. Uh, I think I just Damn love that. I love that riff. And then the, you know, just the the combination of the riffing and the, and the palm meeting the chunk. I uh, just, me, I saw it live. And for whatever reason, I, I lost myself live uh, when that song came on. And I, and I was not the first time I saw them live. I'm not very familiar with Crowbar's music. I was, I was watching how many people around me were people I respect in the Austin music scene that were like, thanking me for bringing crowbar to Austin. I'm like well they they tore you know but they're but they were like dude oh i can't believe i'm gonna see crowbar tonight i was like okay I, I was kind of vibing off of their their energy but by the time that song came on and i'd heard it a long time ago it just grabbed me and i i lost myself i wanted to like just i wanted to destroy friendly in a friendly way everything around me it was awesome and ah the destroy so that, the room principle yeah i just had that but it had that vibe in a I was so happy and wanted to like, you know, break things, <laughs> but like it was, it was, uh, I always remember that. And so when I saw every time I've seen it, seen that song live again, you know, it always takes me back to that time that I kind of lose myself again. That, that song, whatever reason speaks to me. One of the things I thought was just brilliant about this album, you know, I mean, it, it's a long album, but it's part of the CD era. So most of the albums are going to be, you know, about an hour long. We're kind of back in this. I love that era. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're back in a pseudo vinyl era. So every album is going to be about 35 to 42 minutes long. Um, But when, when bands were told like, Hey, you got a CD, you can fill up an hour worth of music. They're like, okay, got it. That's what I have. Um, So the length was was something. That was the standard. That was the cool thing. It's a standard. Like you didn't, you didn't go to the studio with less than an hour. I mean, I just, I want to have that mindset again, you know, that's the best way to do it. Um, but I thought it was brilliant how, you know, it kind of begins and ends in the same way. So it kind of becomes a, uh, no pun intended, perfect circle. Um, you know, bringing back the intro riff is into, uh, the very last second to last song of the album. Um, there's that kind of like last little bit there on the, the final song, um, at least when you're streaming it now. Um, but you know, I just thought that was so well done, so tasteful, so smart. Um, and what it does does for me as a listener is it makes me want to start the album over every time I hear it. Because I, I get to that, they bring back the the kind of harmonized riff from intro back on, uh, I forget what the second to last song is called, they bring it back on. Um and as soon as that happens, I'm like, oh, I want to hear intro again. But if I hear intro, I want to hear plants collide. And then yeah. it goes on and on and on. And so you just find yourself playing it in perpetuity, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's that's not something that I find in general or in the space of, of music, you know, where I can just repeat a, you know, pretty heavy album over and over and over again. Um, and not get tired of it. But I, mm-hmm. I, I find more and more things that that fascinate me as I listen to it. Yeah, I used to love it when bands would do that in the CD era. Like, because you know, when you had a CD, it just replayed from the top. 
and it was yeah. over and they were conscious of that and you know it's a well thought out and put together record and they had that they clearly must have had that in mind and it's you're right though but the way the songs bleed together like even live if i hear you know carry the load i'm like oh i i better hear december spawn next like it's just supposed to be yeah. it's supposed there's albums like that you know because this is it's also an era where when you listen to the record you listen to the record from beginning to end because there was no shuffle or you know a thousand songs you could put in on something right and so this record's definitely one of those it bleeds very well together and there's definitely ryan you alluded to that earlier there's like sections where it kind of changes you know the mood changes on this record too so i think it's thoughtfully put together for sure yeah it, it's it's another reason that it felt like a 90s album just off the get-go before even kind of like looking it up and stuff is that it felt like that album that i remember listening like sitting on the school bus and like listening to cds on my cd player and like it felt like that whereas and blake you said you know now we're having like this new kind of vinyl era where a lot of them feel like they're in two halves you know like yeah, yeah half in the second half whereas cds didn't feel like that because you had the intro you had the outro you, you know you had this flow the flow was different and it's just another reason that I felt like a '90s album, which is it's just interesting that you can you can sense that kind of stuff, even not really knowing, you know, maybe when this record was recorded. And it's a huge pet peeve of mine, but I'm I'm guilty of it too. Like, I, you know, we're finishing a record right now, and it's like we're very conscious of side A and B, right? You know, yeah, and you have and to be. I know you have to be because you also have to be like, well, you can't just cut a song in the middle and then you know, yeah, the vinyl. You have to you have to be conscious of that, and you can't I, have a 50 minute album either it has to be like 40 minutes and so everything always feels rushed to me you know like i I think i really love um this era of music in the sense that there was that hour shit sometimes you could put like 70 minutes on a cd Mm -hmm. and it was like uh there was room for that space and that color and that the the movements you could be taken on and like like this record you know it takes you like hey that's Maybe there's that there's I'm sure there's that thought process in the record. Hey, let's let's take the record down some, you know, and let's let's do some things here. Let's let's do a filler track, you know, where it's got some cool sound. Just kind of just create the vibe where. Yeah. I mean, some people are still doing I'm not saying it's, it's lost now, but it's fewer and farther between now, I feel like, because. Well, especially uh, if you're going to put it on vinyl. I mean, there's plenty of bands that aren't quite there yet and they're putting stuff out digitally and they can have right. a little bit more room to to move around. But like, and they're great records in vinyl like. Yeah, you got to think about that stuff a little bit differently for sure. And it's and there's not there's not many of us. I'm, I'm, we're not at a level where I could be like, let's do a double vinyl, right? Yeah. yeah. Could yeah. you imagine going to your label and being like, yeah, guess what? We have a double album. And be like, yeah, well, like, cut half the songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> real, real fast. That'd be an easy answer. Yeah, that's all that's gonna happen right now. That's exactly right. Because there's yeah. no way like like we can't sell a vinyl for four. It's gonna cost us so much to make. We can't sell it for 40, 50 bucks. So yeah. you got to cut it. Yeah. So it is. What yeah. it is. But now this, this song, this album is definitely from that era, and yeah. I I love the movements it takes us on. Any missteps in this album, in anyone's opinion? None. Um, I mean, I I've never heard a bad crowbar album or a truly bad crowbar song per se. The there's lesser and there's better, but they're all of a certain level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. It, Kirk definitely knows how to polish a turd, and so does everybody else in the band, because you can't tell what the turds are, right? No. Um, I would say production-wise, it, it's it's flawless. I, I mean, things tend to sing. It sounds like they recorded it on a Neve board for crying out loud. 
I, I mean, I, I can't find a hole in it anywhere. Yeah, this record especially, like Ryan was talking about, it sounded like from the 90s, and I love that because that's exactly what this sounds like, a, ni- a heavy 90s record. Uh, and it's, it's you know, still in the analog era of recording, and it just has that warmth to it. And uh, this was, I mean, they were fortunate, of course, to have some very good selling records before this one. And you could tell there was some, this is also of the era of like, okay, we're going to give you a shit ton of money to record a quality record. And they put good use of that money on on this record for sure. It's it's very good production, in my opinion, when I think about like 1998, you know, this this was released in. Uh, Very, very, very good production. Because there's a lot of bands like in the new metal age, it just, you listen to it now, it sounds like everything was recorded like in a metal room, like you with tin yeah. roof and, you know, exactly. like metal walls or something, you know, it just sounds tiny. And Crowbar sounds everything but tiny. I think the only thing that I would have a, maybe a problem with, because this is my favorite Crowbar album and Crowbar is definitely one of my, my favorite bands of all time. And one of the bands that means the most to me, like personally, um, but I think sometimes it is a little overproduced, just a little bit overproduced. I, I, you think this uh, record? But I think that's part of the era. You think this record is a little bit? Yeah, I think especially once you see Crowbar live, I I feel like there's like an extra burliness that they kind of buff out right. yeah. a little bit. Um, and I love that burliness. Um, like for example, if you even if you compare Oddfellows Rest and Equilibrium which I think is the album after this one. I think, um, I yeah. Uh, I, I actually prefer the sound of equilibrium in terms of its production because it doesn't sound quite as polished to me. It might be just I, I, my ears are ruined by amps, but <laughs> as all of ours are, but I, I'll yeah. give you that. I'll give you that though. Cause I, there are some parts where it does kind of have the sign of the times maybe where yeah. they, they took, they took some chances. Cause that's kind of what, you know, like even on planets collide, you know, like the secondary vocal that sounds like he's singing it through like a guitar amp or something, you know, like that was, yeah, that was something that probably a producer goes, Hey, this would be cool. You know, I, I get that. There's, there, there's definitely some part because they don't do that live. I know what you mean. Like live sounds perfect. Yeah. And it's how, it's how you crowbar, should hear crowbar. I want crowbar to sound like that on the record. And I think they've, they do like I think they did that on zero and below the most recent album I felt like that that was that had my favorite crowbar sound in terms of I was alluding to I thought I thought that that record most recent record sounds like they do live there's there's no tricks there's no fluff it's just boom here's crowbar and this is like that for the most part so I I can agree with you Blake it's probably about 98 percent crowbar and maybe two percent fluff that maybe shouldn't have been yeah production fluff yeah I mean, it doesn't sound like it's, you know, Butch Vig butchering a sound on a yeah. on an album as usual. Um, yeah. But, you know, it also doesn't have that that raw swampy edge to it that you get when you when you hear Crowbar live. Um, yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to reproduce what they do live. I, I would not want to oh, hear I the, know. Sound, the sound engineer doing these guys because like, OK, you're going to give me a wall of guitar. And I still have to find room and space for big drums and bass and vocals. Like how that's, 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 that's a task in itself. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't even want to be the live sound guy because yeah, exactly. like they've got some challenging setups. Because when I saw them, the other guitarist was playing a seven string. Kirk was playing a six string. That's and how so they trying... do it now, I think. I, when yeah. I just saw them, that's what they were doing. Yeah. Trying to balance out those frequencies would not be easy. No, it would not be. So that's what those guys, those guys get paid the big bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Their front of house guy definitely may, sings for his supper, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. He's, they got to know what they're doing for sure. Cause it would, cause if it doesn't sound muddy, that's why I'm no. like, this is tuned down wall of sound and no mud sludge. Yeah. It's, but no mud. It's, I think it's B standard tuning and, and it sounds like it's an E standard because it's so clear and you know, you don't, you don't have that kind of dead note vibe that you sometimes get when you tune down super low. Um, so maybe they have great guitar tech, but um, you know, it, 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 it master their sound. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it's just, it's, it's uh it's very tight and very clear, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think that's because they're not using, you know, 15 guitar pedals, like, a lot yeah, of bands do now, they're not, they're you know, losing, they're, they're just not. like, here's the amp and here's a boost. Yeah. They're not losing the tone through that. You know, it's their tone. I always thought there, I always thought Kirk's tone was so percussive, you know, and I think it very much has, so. has to do with that. I mean, it probably has, I mean, solid state. That's what you're going to get that, which some people hate that, you know, like they don't like, ah, I'll avoid that. You know, like I've got a bunch of amps in here and I don't have one solid state amp, you know, cause I don't, I, it's not what I'm going for, but like, it has a place, you know, like, I'm like, I, I go back in your crowbar and I go, what am I doing? I should, I should buy a solid state amp. I just, I need to do that. But you know, it's just, I'd say that back. I do have a, a sun beta lead, which is solid state, but like, yeah, you know, it, it, it's not, it's different. And I, it's, it's how clear and heavy it is, is what really impresses me. Uh, cause that's not an easy thing to do. And I think a lot of us are like, Oh, I want to put that crowbar. We tune that guitar down and it just sounds like mud, you know, cause we don't, mm -hmm. we don't set up the guitars, right. We don't dial in the amp the right way. It, it, it's not a, it's, there's a, there's a science to it as the real guitar players on this podcast uh, <laughs> can attest to. Oh, well, like intonation. Ooh, what's that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How that's dare a, you? That's just a fancy um, word. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you really hear his, his, the work in his hands and his fingers, as opposed to the work of, you know, a pedal or an amp. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're getting unfiltered Kirk Winstein, you know, like it, that, that is straight from his mind to his fingers, you know, straight through the speakers. Um, and when there are fewer things blocking the guitarist from that kind of pure um, sequence of frequency, I think you get a, a pure tone to it. I agree. That's at least my take. And he's got it mastered. There's no doubt about that. Without a doubt. Mm -hmm. The whole and This I whole New Orleans sludge scene did. Does. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I hate to ruin all the good conversation about uh, all of this technical stuff that you guys all know really well. With, <laughs> with, uh, I just fake it. A bunch well. of nonsense, but I'm going to. I'm going to ruin it with a bunch of nonsense now, if you don't mind. 
By all um, means, I love your nonsense. All right. Um, so we talked about Kirk's lyrics a little bit. It's been a little while since we've uh, done a lyrical game. So we're going to see how well you guys know some of the lyrics. I'm bad okay. at this, but let's give it a shot. All right. Yeah. I'm the guy who sings the words mumble and I get the last word right every time. You've been baptized ah. in a lake of blank. Crucified yourself with your own fears. You've been baptized I've, in a lake of jizz, a lake of tears, a lake of beers, or a lake of your peers. I think I heard jizz for the longest time. Even that's though why I, know I put that one in here. Yeah. Thanks to, thanks I was, to you, and Eddie. I, I now hear that every time I listen to that song. Thanks. Yeah. I was always like, you've been baptized in a lake of jizz? <laughs> That's I the fucking song. lyric. I listened to this today. I, you know, we all did probably listen to this yeah. record getting ready. But yeah, uh, jizz would be what I would what I would love to be able to write a song and to have the word jizz be used tastefully. <laughs> I'd also be. I'd also <laughs> love to be baptized in a lake of beers. To be honest, yeah, that's what I would rather. That's what I'm working have. on tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of my that's my tour or weekend ritual. Mm -hmm. but uh but it it is gotta be it's tears right it's definitely tears yeah i mean i i thought i knew that lyric that one i did know but yeah don't dwell on the past you've got to find the strength to blank you kill you bang you lead you or castrate you i think this is kill but i gotta find out what song i'm trying to think what song this is I gotta hear. Don't dwell on the past. Gotta think. I gotta think about it. What it sounds like in my head? What would Kurt say? Uh, I know it's either kill or lead in actuality, but castrate would be pretty cool. Castrate would be cool. Be pretty metal. <laughs> if this was an alternate lyric game, that would definitely be the winner. Winner chicken dinner. I'll yeah. say lead. I like lead. Lead would be a cool lyric to put there, other than the funny word with bang. Uh, but so I, I don't know. I'm just going to guess. I'll just say lead because Blake's going with kill. Yes. Lead. I didn't, and that was a guess. I didn't know. Eulogy left me feeling blank. Burning me, burning mind explodes. Eulogy left me feeling ill, feeling hard, feeling horny, <laughs> feeling cold. I know that all eulogies have the effect of making me feel a little bit hard, but, you know, yeah, and horny. Lyric. And horny. Yeah. yeah hard and horny. horny. Yeah, can, can we put B? Is it B and C? Is there a multiple choice option? <laughs> that, that'd be E. Both B and C. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Both B and C. Left me feeling hard and horny. <laughs> I like it. I got to write this down for a Hiders of Queen song. Hold on. This is great. <laughs> All right. I'm so you think you... I'm some songs right now, too. I'm cribbing a couple of these aside. I'll say cold because I like the paradox. Yeah, there. the juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Sweet, because he's a good because he's a good songwriter. Like we're talking about, he's got good lyrics. That's that's, that's he's that's an cool. actual songwriter in a space yeah. where most people don't give a shit about their songwriting. They just care <laughs> exactly. about sounding cool. Yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot of heavy bands just just want to sound cool, but he's actually writing lyrics, which is super cool. Oh, in that yeah. department, that dude's a wizard in a room full of magicians. <sighs> exactly, I believe, it. I believe it. Soul searching for lost innocence. I feel it coming. Coming in oh, blank. <laughs> I didn't look at the options. I already knew we were going to go with this. I didn't read the Listen, options. Listen, if yet. you put coming in, in the verse twice, like I'm, like I'm going to use it, right? Yeah, right. exactly. I coming in it. my pants, coming in waves, coming in your mom, or coming in hot. 
You wrote B. That's the most innocent of the answers. <laughs> right. I, I will also go with B because it's spelled C O M I N G. Ah. Yeah. 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 It's coming in waves. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. <laughs> awesome. All right. Anything else we want to say about Crowbar? Odd Fellows Rest. No. Other than go out and buy a copy on vinyl. If anybody who's watching this or listening to this on your favorite digital streaming platforms currently uh, on sale right now through their uh, website, they have nice. a few of their best records up there. It's definitely worth a listen on vinyl. That's for sure. I think I, I, I no, I don't think I do have this on CD. Uh, it's in one of my CD flip books, you know, that I, <laughs> that people still have those. I know somewhere. Uh, but yeah, I had this on CD. This was, it was a gift. It was given to me and, and I've sadly, I put it on the back burner for a long time because you can only listen to one CD at a time and I just didn't get, I didn't get around to it, but I'm making up for lost time now for sure on this record. It sounded I, like a lot of you thought that this was the, probably the best or your favorite crowbar album. Is there any other, uh, so, stuff you would so that was, that was my point that I was going to bring up is this starts in my opinion, the, the, maybe the best three album run in sludge um, because you get odd fellows the next year you get equilibrium and the next year equilibrium. you get sonic excess in its purest form. So yeah. three albums in three years that are groundbreaking, uh, fascinating to listen to beautifully written, powerful. I mean, it it's, it's stunning that, with everything that was going on in their lives at this time and with the changes in lineups, I mean, there it's three 10 out of 10 albums in a row. Yeah, they're best. I love Equilibrium. For me, this is my favorite Crowbar record because it has my two favorite Crowbar songs. Uh, but that's not putting, you know, within, in uh, Carry the Load and, and Planets Collide. But, like, that's not putting anything down on the other records. Like I love oh, Equilibrium. No. Equilibrium is a great record. I, yeah. I, the cover on Equilibrium is one of my favorite Crowbar songs. Yeah, that's rad. I love, I've always loved the font of Crowbar. Oh I've man, always, I could listen to Dreamweaver on repeat. I hate that original song so much. And then I saw Crowbar doing it and I was like, what the fuck is this bullshit? And then <laughs> I put it on and I was like, yep. All right. That's what I'm listening to today. Yeah. It's, they do a couple of good covers here and there. Speaking uh, of yeah. covers, uh, the album cover of Equilibrium is insanely 90s. Even though it came out in 2000, that is a yeah. very 90s album cover. Oh, but, uh, 90s the 90s don't end until like 2002. <sighs> yeah, but uh, this, this album have, cover was interesting also. Does anybody have the record like with them? or because It's I'm, on the yeah. way. I it, They just did a repress that I just ordered a copy of. I'm going on a whim here. I, what would be very nineties and I, and I, I might, maybe because I've seen this before is that the back of the cover is the back of the heads, but that I, would that not surprise me. That's some butthole yeah. surfer stuff right there. Right. So I'm yeah. saying like, that's something that a lot of people did. Like if it was a face and you had like the, the back of the head on the, the, the back of the album, easy way to save some money on some cover designs. But uh, I always thought this was very nineties album cover. And I thought it was very, very cool. It's very nineties. Yeah. And they're all babies, it looks like, too, you know, compared yeah, to how you, they're now. Exactly. You know, I know, I saw it today. Going, Man, how old are they here? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the era of that famous picture where it's all of them with uh, their shirtless beer gut uh, exhibition going on? 
Yeah. 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 yeah goatees and beer guts. That's how they, I saw them in Berlin play live and that's how it was. Like it was like shirts off, beer gut, go. Beer, yeah. beer covering most, beer covering most everything anyway. And, and yeah. Not <laughs> all upstairs for, for all of them. They were all clean head, long beards. Yeah. Yep. That's a, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good look. <laughs> that's a good look. Yeah. Not a very good look. Like two out of three of us would agree. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any other thoughts? Final thoughts on Crowbar and Oddfellows Rest? On this record, Supreme, 10 out of 10, sludge record, iconic for sure. Cool. And I can't wait. Maybe to my I am. Yeah, maybe my favorite record we've we've done on this show. Oh, wow. Interesting. Cool. Interesting. At, at very I... least, the most important to me. Cool. Well, it's let's go around and say again. It's in my top ten of all time. Awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Let's uh, go around and you guys can plug and tell everyone what you're up to and what we can keep an eye out for. Blake, if you want to lead us off. Uh, as of, uh, tomorrow, which by the time this comes out, will be 13 days ago, um, or something like that. Uh, the first single off of my second album through King Volume will be out. Um, so go check out Prometheus and, uh, pre-order the vinyl. We have two different, uh, color variants as well as black options. And then we have a bunch of different new merch options that are coming out. So, um check out Bandcamp. cool exciting ben well uh don't got anything really super exciting on the books other than a bunch of local shows however um my band lost dutchman we're on all streaming media platforms uh, including Bandcamp. uh encourage you to go ahead and give us a listen i mean i i grew up playing and listening to sludge if you like it you'll like lost dutchman other than that yes. yeah that's all i got going on guys if you like it, you will like Lost Dustman, that's for sure. And uh, all right, for me, Hydrogen Queen, by the time this comes out, we should have the guitars, probably everything done. Maybe it might all be done. Uh, hopefully, if I get the vocals done by then for our next record, it's not going to come out until April ish, spring 2024. Uh, so excited about that. Uh, some cool developments on it, uh, that record. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Uh, and then, of course, We'll be about, by the time this comes out, we'll be a few weeks away from Ripple Fest, Texas, which I'm super excited about. Um, You'll see two of us there. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And uh, I'll be there running around like crazy, but I'll be there. And uh, it's I'm super excited about this year's lineup. I mean, I, there's, I could go on and on with all the bands I want to see there, but they, I'm going to try to see all of them. They're all. I mean, I basically handpicked the bands that are there, and I, I really am looking forward to everything there. So that's going to be a good time. And then I'll probably need like a week or so to recover after that. But, yeah. Very cool. Exciting shit coming up. All right. Uh, go check out Crowbar. Thanks, guys. That was a really good, uh, you know, in-depth conversation on Crowbar. That was cool. So Sorry, sorry about the oh, yeah. gear talk. No, I, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure everyone that listens will love it. I was just over my head. So <laughs> great, great stuff. <laughs> uh, rock on, guys. Later.